you know, people on the outside go, oh, yeah, you, you know, this is a cash cow. You know, you guys are printing money. Well, it's, it's simply false. The Green Rush is real. From lawmakers and investment bankers to CEOs and investors, we'll look at how people are transforming cannabis from the shadows of the black market into a cash crop that draws in cannapreneurs from Hollywood to Wall Street. Here to help you navigate the business of cannabis, please welcome Lewis Goldberg and Ann Donahoe. Brought to you by KCSA Strategic Communications. I'm Ann Donahoe with Lewis Goldberg, and welcome to another episode of The Green Rush. One note before we start, if you can please rate and subscribe this pod- to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you podcast, we would appreciate it. And as always, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter with the handles at GreenRushComs, uh, as well as KCSA-Cannabis.com. Today, we are talking to both Nick Kovacevic and Ben Wu from Kush Bottles. Nick is the CEO and Ben is the president and COO. Um, for those of you who don't know Kush, uh, shame on you, uh, they're one of the largest but you probably the largest ancillary business catering to the cannabis market in the U.S. Um, Kush provides packaging and supplies, um, medical and food grade to the industry. They offer things like custom packaging, labeling, child-resistant compliant packaging, you name it, and they do it. They're a public company and trade on the OTC under the ticker KSHB. Welcome to both of you. And full disclosure, um, they are a client of ours, um, so uh, we know both Nick and Ben really well. Um, and one of the other things that they are the biggest is right now, if you look at their market cap for any of the the public company, public cannabis companies, they are in the top three or four. So um, congratulations, guys! I know you just finished your quarter, um, and um, it was a big a, a big year for you. Uh, and 2018 is looking even bigger. Uh, the question I have, um, and it, it really strikes me as as one of the biggest questions in the um, the industry is, you know, we are in a, a fractured regulatory structure, right? Each state has its own regulatory regime. You guys are manufacturers, right? You don't touch the plant. So, can you explain how you build a manufacturing process that is in line with individual states? rules and they can be different um, and how it's still profitable and competitive. Yeah, well, first of all, this is Nick speaking and, and thank you guys for having us. Um, you know, to, to address that question, really, you know, for us, we're, we're a distributor, so we're not wed to any one product. Uh, we do uh, develop products. Uh, we develop our own tooling. We produce them with our contract manufacturers. And we try to we try to identify themes uh, across different state regulations. So themes like child resistant requirements, um, you know, pharmaceutical grade. Uh, we want to we want to be best in quality in the products that we produce. Um, and then when we identify a product that we think is is going to play well across multiple markets, uh, then we make the investment and and we we go and do R and D work. Uh, we come up with uh, products that that are a little bit more unique uh, than what's on the market today. Um, and then we make sure that we can um, engineer and 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 produce them uh, cost effectively, uh, usually uh, domestically here stateside, uh, because that gives us a big uh, advantage when it comes to lead times and when it comes to uh, quality control. Um, so that's a few of the things that that we like to look for in in terms of identifying what products we're going to actually produce and bring to market. Are there states that are more difficult, or, or is there like a, a problem child state that is just different from the others and just more challenging inherently? You know, it's the one state that everybody makes fun of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is Ben speaking. Um, 
I, I guess I, I, it depends on who you ask. I mean, I think everyone has a different viewpoint. Some people will say the the states that have the strictest strictest regulations are the problem states, right? And other people are going to say those are some of the best states. Frankly, you know, Colorado was the first state to, to come out with adult use, and they developed a very robust set of rules that, you know, again, I, I'd argue that's more robust than anyone else because they've had more time and experience to continue to update those rules. Um, and as a result, they've kind of been a leader for other states. Every other state emulates Colorado and they'll take Colorado's rules and then they'll make some adjustments based on that because everyone wants to be different. But um, I'd say Colorado is probably uh, a good barometer for us that, that now California is writing its rules and, and obviously they're, they're incorporating Colorado's rules, Washington's rules. Um, you know, in terms of an actual problem state, I, I, I don't know if there's any Problem states, I think in the past we've seen certain states, you know, every state, it's a learning process. And I've seen some states roll out a program where maybe they forgot to define what is child resistant or they use subjective <laughs> terms saying Whoops. attractive to children, right? But something like that makes it a regulatory nightmare if someone has to sit there and say, this is attractive, but that's not attractive to children. So, um, you know, I, I'd say, you know, those are the type of situations where, where it has caused states issues, but I think most states are pretty good about realizing that they made a mistake and trying to fix so no, it. So no Marlboro men or, you know, camels on any packaging, right? Uh, not in regulated states. I mean, I think, in, frankly, in unregulated states, you see some 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 cowboys kind of take, taking liberties with trademarks and things like that, right? And, and obviously, we don't think that's good for the industry, right? Um, so you mentioned California, and obviously, everyone's talking about California. Um, and Nick, we recently did an interview with a non-industry reporter, and I thought you did a really good job of outlining. Um, what the hell is going on with the state? Um, why are the rules different for every city? Um, and actually one LA city councilman equated it to building the plane in midair, which I thought was really, um, kind of spot on. Can you talk about that? Oh, it's also a good time to mention that Ben sits on the California Bureau of Cannabis Control, which is one of the governing bodies that makes the rules. So maybe, so either one of you can answer this, but Ben or Nick, I just thought you did a good job yesterday, kind of laying out the, the, the land when it comes to California and cannabis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Ben had actually a, an update that came out yesterday. If you want to share real quickly, Ben. Yeah, just to clarify a couple of things. One is I am technically on the advisory committee for cannabis rules, right? So, I, you know, I guess I am a state official, but I am not directly on the BCC. I think that that's just oh, a different whoops. level. Sorry. Uh, just to clarify. Uh, I don't want to get in trouble with uh, the government there. <laughs> so um, noted. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, you know the, the big announcement is that this morning they just open you know the BCC opened up the online portal for uh, applications. And so, this right, morning is is for our listeners um, December eighth, two thousand seventeen, because we don't know when these people are listening. Right. So uh, on December eighth, this morning, I just got the email alert that it just opened up, and so I imagine right now their servers are probably crashing because <laughs> they're scrambling to uh, you know get all <coughs> applications online so they could be live. Uh, you know, January. January one, technically January two, as uh, I think uh, January one is uh, yeah. a, a public holiday. So, so, so that's exciting news. And I think you know to kind of answer your question, Ann, I um, you know gave gave an overview yesterday, and and really you know people are wondering, okay, well, what's going to happen in California on January first, and how is the state you know to your point going to uh, build a regulatory program overnight um, while while the the plane is flying or the car is driving you know 100 miles an hour, and you know what the state did, which was smart is uh, when they initially went into, um, this is back in the medical, um, uh, MCRSA came out, uh, they, came, they came and said, 
hey, we know that this is going to be a longer process at the state level. Uh, we're obviously a very big state uh, here in California. So uh, what we want to do is, is get help from the local uh, smaller governments. So we want the cities and counties to start to figure out cannabis at the local level. And by the way, here's the general framework uh, that we, the state, are going to expect and allow uh, when we when we get our uh, permit process under underway. So so keep that in mind when you're building your local frameworks, right? And so what that did is, you know, the, some of the smart cities, some quite frankly, some of the the cities that were were in the red and the deficit in terms of budgets, uh, hmm. jumped on it right away, right? And they rolled out. Uh, Can license. you name 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 the names? Who? Uh, you know, cities in the desert area. You know, we saw Desert Hot Springs and Adelanto and Cathedral City, um, and some of those cities that you know didn't have the best. Um, you know, source of funds and, and we're operating at a loss. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're able to bring in uh, millions of dollars in the, the permitting process. And now they have, you know, licensed operators that are paying taxes. Um, and then we saw from the major cities, you know, some cities were, were a little bit more proactive than others. Cities like San Jose, Oakland, uh, Santa Ana here in Orange County, um, getting ahead of the regulatory process, uh, even Sacramento. Uh, and, and San Francisco on the medical side. And then now uh, this, the cities and the local jurisdictions have had the opportunity to approve adult use. Uh, and we saw some of the larger cities do that, such as San Diego, uh, such as Oakland, um, such as Sacramento. And uh, now we're waiting on, you know, to see in terms of uh, a couple question marks like Los Angeles. Um, and, and it seems like uh, there's been some progress there. Um, cities like Fresno have never embraced medical and, and have yet to embrace any adult use. So they will not be operative. Um, San Francisco, who's certainly a very progressive city, uh, they have a great medical system, but they acknowledge that they didn't have the infrastructure to roll out adult use on Jan 1st, 2018, and have punted uh, adult use to Jan 1st, 2019. So again, California is going to come online on January 1st, but it's not going to be in every single uh, city and county and jurisdiction. So uh, you got to have to know the nuances. And, and we obviously are up to speed in, in terms of educating and making sure our sales force is aware of, of which markets they should be. Uh, so that, that, that leads to an interesting issue because California is not the only state that's coming online next year. Um, you know, you've got California, you've got Massachusetts, Maine. Um, how are you guys scaling to to be ready to serve a market that's going to nationally double or or maybe even triple in size basically overnight yeah i mean that's really our our biggest uh, focus as a management team uh you know the ability to execute uh we know that there's a, a windfall or some of our people like to describe a tidal wave uh coming our way and uh, ultimately you know there's things like production power right that that you just need to ramp up and and that requires resources and capital um, so we're focused on that. We, we've hired ahead of the curve in terms of our sales force. Our sales force um, has expanded, you know, four to five X over the last, you know, 12 to 18 months. And so uh, we're prepared there. Uh, we're getting additional uh, facility footprint. So we've, uh, we're in the process of moving our headquarters here in Orange County into a, a larger facility that gives us about, you know, four times the capacity. Um, and then we're also exploring additional facilities, uh, whether it's in, you know, new markets like Las Vegas or whether it's in, you know, emerging markets like the Northeast and Massachusetts. And, you know, in light of the fact that New Jersey is probably not too far away, um, you know, obviously. Woo, Jersey. I'm a Jersey. 
Yeah, there you go. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of opportunity. And for us, um, you know, it's about, first of all, the, the low hanging fruit. So, you know, you look at California being right here in our backyard, we have a lot of good relationships and it's going to just, uh, you know, catch on really quickly. So, uh, we have, you know, uh, in our, in our mind, right. No lack of opportunity, uh, but certainly a lot of things to consider when it comes to how we're going to execute on that opportunity. So I actually think that that's a natural time for us to take a break. Just to remind everybody, um, we are talking with Nick and Ben from Cush Bottles, and you're listening to the Green Rush podcast. More Green Rush coming up after we roll through our sponsors. Cannabis concentrates have been around for hundreds of centuries. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him, pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Banking and Bud, understanding the business of cannabis. Welcome back to The Green Rush, only on CannabisRadio.com. So we are back on the Green Rush. I'm Lewis Goldberg, joined by Ann Donahoe um, and our good friends from uh, Kush Bottles, Nick and Ben. Um, so you guys had something really exciting recently happen um, where you brought on a new board member, a woman named Barbara Goodstein, who is the CEO of Tiger 21. And if our listeners don't know what Tiger 21 is, it's the largest peer-to-peer investing and consulting group for really successful, high net worth entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs. So, um, given that Barbara has no background in cannabis, um, uh, you know, what does it mean to Kush and to the broader cannabis industry when when somebody like this who has serious financial services chops joins your board? 
Well, I think, you know, number one, we're very pleased uh, to have Barbara Goodstein on our board. And I think she's going to be a great fit, uh, very value added. Uh, board member. So, uh, you know, you look at someone like Barbara, she's got a great, you know, resume, you, you know, you look at her background, you know, Ivy League education, uh, chief marketing officer at Vonage and a VP at, at American Express and Chase. Uh, now she's the CEO of Tiger 21, which obviously is a, is a fantastic networking organization um, that would be, you know, great for someone like Kush Bottles to tap into. Uh, but more importantly, right, Barbara has a very strong marketing background. And when she looks at the cannabis industry, uh, you know, being a consumer product good, you know, ultimately it's going to end up being a product that's not uh, too far differentiated um, and a social consumption product. So when you look at, you know, the alcohol industry, there's a lot of comparisons. And and I think, you know, we saw recently with Constellation Brands making an investment in canopy growth, yep. uh, that certainly the alcohol industry, big alcohol, is, is recognizing that. And, if you know, one thing that people know about the alcohol industry is that it's one of the most heavily marketed industries in the world. So if you t- extrapolate that and, and turn that to cannabis, we can assume that cannabis is also going to be something that's heavily marketed uh, to consumers. And ultimately, it's it's a greenfield, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, <laughs> pun, for companies. Pun intended. Pun intended. Uh, for companies to actually now develop their brands and resonate with consumers in the marketplace. And this is going to be happening really over the next decade, uh, where some of these brands are, are going to emerge as national leaders. And with Barbara's background in marketing, she sees this as the great next great marketing frontier. Um, and add, add a caveat, right? You look at cannabis and the traditional forms of marketing are not available uh, to businesses. So no TV commercials, right? A lot of the, the major uh, websites like Facebook and Google aren't allowing uh, targeted keyword searches. Uh, so how are you going to get your brand uh, into the marketplace, in, in, ingrained into consumers' uh, minds. Well, one of the best ways is going to be through your custom branded packaging. And that's uh, one of the staples of Kush Bottles and what we built the business on the last few years. Uh, and so Barbara sees that opportunity as well. So I think there's just a lot of synergies and, and we're certainly uh, pleased to have somebody of her caliber uh, step up and say, I see the opportunity in cannabis. I see that this is stigma is going to go away very quickly. And I want to be one of the early adopters and pioneers uh, that's jumping on the train. So I actually have a follow up to that because you talk about branding and packaging and because of the fracture regulatory marketplace, how do you build a real national brand that consumers recognize from California to Maine. Um, when you can't ship, uh, you know, product, you can't ship product uh, cross state lines, and I mean that includes seeds and and plants themselves. Um, so, how do you build this national brand? I, I mean, and and how do you guys see yourselves integrating in that in that conversation with the industry? I, I think when you talk about building a national brand, you're really referring to the product companies that are touching the plant, correct? Could be. I mean, yes. I mean, you guys would be considered like the Intel inside, right? You're not I, exactly. an external yes. consumer placing. But but for the, the guys who build the brand, the, the consumer brand, how do you do it? And that that's kind of the holy grail that everyone's kind of asking about right now, right? We, we get a lot of questions because the regulatory environment is so different across state lines. The packaging requirements are st- so different. Uh, you know, we get a lot of customers that say, hey, you know, I, I plan on going nationally. I want one package that works across all states, right? And, and we are 
looking into that solution. But frankly, if we had that solution ready, we, we'd be, you know, all, all billionaires at this point. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, it's it's not an easy solution because in certain states where the, the packaging requirements are very strict, uh, usually, at least traditionally, um, you know, child resistant packaging formats have been based around, you know, certain, <laughs> frankly, almost opposite ergonomics. It's, it's difficult to open, right? <laughs> Um, and, but it might not be the most attractive thing out there. Whereas in states that have no CR requirements, you want to do a nice glass jar or something that presents the product really well, right? So as right. a national brand to say that I want to put that, you know, that less appealing CR product in all territories, you're effectively going to disadvantage yourself in certain states where maybe other people are doing more attractive packaging, right? So these are some of the things that, um, we continue to look at, continue to try to address uh, that. That's where you know Nick had alluded to some of our you know efforts in proprietary product development. Is we are looking for that holy grail, if you will. Um, but in terms of how quickly we're going to get there, we, we don't know because again, rules are constantly changing. Even states like Colorado, where maybe you assume that a rule set made a certain packaging line. Uh, attract good right uh, a good solution for that market within six months maybe uh for whatever reason the state says no now that's a high risk issue so we're going to ban all the, all of those products right um so it, it's a constant kind of you know free-flowing kind of situation it's very dynamic in, in the industry right now so uh, i think until a few more years pass and you have a lot of stability in terms of, of regulations um i think it's going to still be addressed on a state-by-state -state or, or you know basis are there any brands that you can talk about that are that are getting it right? And I don't know if that's a question you wanna you wanna answer. So feel free not to. But um, a lot of these companies are are making the transition from you know the black market to the legitimate marketplace. Um, you know, it, are are there any companies that are very forward looking and are understanding the branding process and and doing it well? Um. Yeah. And. Yes, I mean some of these are are our customers. So you know, some people take it as a shameless plug, and other pe other companies we mentioned. Plug away. Products. We're plug all away. about the shameless plug here, Ben. <laughs> yes, and you know, so up in Washington, I think one of the leading innovators in terms of branding for the Washington market is a company called Grow Out Farms, uh, Fat Panda. Uh, they they were one of the first people to to really look at packaging and say, hey, I'm willing to spend on packaging because I know it's going to get me a, a lot of shelf space and it's going to make me shine on the retailers. Um, they also understood that, you know, custom packaging is not necessarily expensive, if you will, but to get it cost effective, you have to buy in volume. And, and those were guys who made the investment very early on. Um, so I think that they, they, they did very well. Uh, and, and if you go into the Washington market, their, their brand is very well known, right? Uh, I think, you know, Kiva in the California market with, uh, you know, their, their, their edibles, uh, they, they have a pretty recognized uh, product line. Uh, they, have beautiful, they actually have beautiful packaging. Absolutely. They're not customer of ours, but I, I think they, they do it right. They look very good, right? So, and uh, to the CEO of Kiva who's listening now, Ben's going to be calling later. <laughs> uh, I, I already have yeah. some ideas for them on child resistant packaging. So absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, ultimately what we've seen emerge is, is more uh, regionally, right? We have, right. you know, we have, you know, folks like the guys of the original guys in Colorado, you know, Dixie Elixirs of the world, you know, and, and then, you know, as Ben mentioned, Washington, and, and there's certainly California brands that, 
you know, are, are, are getting much more popular just because the market's much bigger. And so ultimately, a lot of people say, hey, the, the next big national brands are going to be born out of, out of California or out of L.A. Um, so that's something you hear tossed around. Um, and then, you know, what's interesting in this industry, we also see uh, some of these celebrity brands popping up. And, and that's mm-hmm. something that's, you know, I guess fairly unique to this industry where there's just, you know, any kind of celebrity that has a, uh, you know, a history in cannabis or something that, you um, you know, res- things might resonate well with the consumers, launches a brand. Um, the problem is, you know, the, the majority of the consumers that follow this group or this band or this this celebrity aren't even in that market and can't even purchase the product. So it, it kind of does it a disservice. You make a big splash, a big PR announcement, et cetera, et cetera, but then the product is not available. And as a consumer, that can be frustrating because you want to try something, uh, but you're not in Colorado, you're not in Washington. So, you know, there, there's a lot of interesting dynamics playing out. I think, again, it's going to be a decade, you know, of, of this kind of, you know, grassroots uh, marketing where you're going to end up, you know, these brands trying to push themselves and, and getting traction in social media, et cetera. And ultimately, it's going to be a key to getting that national expansion, what's going to make uh, brands successful um, at, the, at a large scale level. Uh, okay, great. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back with Nick and Ben from Kush Bottles. More Green Rush coming up after we roll through our sponsors. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC. Symbol MCIG. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Banking and Bud, understanding the business of cannabis. Welcome back to The Green Rush, only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back. That was like the longest break ever. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. Um, so re- I have we, before we go to Puff Puff Pass. Um, you guys are a, a really interesting public company um, that has that had you know w- you know again full disclosure we do your public relations and your investor relations but um, y- you know we know that there are lots of investors who have a lot of interest in your company. I um, mean right now you trade on the OTC. Uh, 
do you guys have plans to uplist and why do you think you'll have a better shot um, of getting onto a, a, a big board exchange versus um, our good friends uh, you know, at other companies who have, who have not been as successful at that? Well, you know, first of all, it kind of starts with our entire premise of approaching the public markets. Uh, number one, you know, we wanted to approach the pu public markets uh, so that it could be a tool to grow the business. So again, it was about the business first and the operations of the business, building something that's sustainable, uh, building something that can continue to grow um, and, and exceed as the industry grows. Uh, so when we approached, we, we didn't do a reverse merger or something quick to kind of get into the market. We did an organic filing, Form 10, uh, with the capital that we've taken into the business has been uh, capital that, you know, has been taken in that is uh, accretive, uh, but also non-toxic, right? And so we've avoided a lot of the pitfalls that some of these other companies have. So we have a good foundation and a base as a public company. And ultimately, we also believe that our company is powering the cannabis industry. We are not a cannabis company. I think that's yep. a big differentiator, especially when you talk to um, what some of these exchanges uh, are looking out for and, and kind of a, a, a nice entry point could be somebody who's, again, on the ancillary, on the fringe, uh, but not directly touching the plant. So I think we've done a lot of the groundwork. We've obviously uh, you know, garnered a, a very first class professional management team uh, and a board of directors uh, that, that has a, a strong tenure and history even in, at some of these larger exchanges. Um, so we've kind of done everything that's within our control. And ultimately, we still want to grow the business to a certain point until we could feel that we're ready uh, to be on one of these exchanges. But it's it's in the game plan. Uh, you know, call it the next 12 to 18 months. You know, we'll be exploring it. And ultimately, uh, we can do everything in our power uh, to be ready to qualify, um, to, to, to look very good in the light of, uh, you know, what these folks, the regulators and the, and the different exchanges are going to be seen uh, when they drill deep into our company. Uh, but that final yes or no, uh, that's outside of our control, right? Yeah, so of course. If, if these exchanges or um, any any sort of government uh, agency is is not ready for that step, uh, then obviously we're not we're going to stay where we are, and we feel that we're um, doing very well. We're, our volume is is uh, performing in the market. Uh, ultimately, we're getting more institutional investors into our stock, even on the OTC. Um, so either way, uh, we're going to be fine in order to continue to execute our plan. Uh, but obviously, getting uplisted gives you that extra level of credibility. Uh, the extra firepower in terms of being able to uh, get capital and and get uh, uh, the right investors into the company. Um, so it's a goal of ours, uh, but ultimately we'll just have to see how it plays out. Great. Um, so good luck there. <laughs> um, we're we're going to shift to um, our Puff Puff Pass segment. Um, and in this segment, we ask guests to tell us two things they love about the industry and one thing they hate. So you guys can either do it together as a team or Ben, you can do your two and Nick, you can do your two. Let me know how you want to do it. Go. Um, go. I'll, I'll go. Uh, <laughs> two things, this is Ben, and two things I, I love about the industry. Um, you know, one is I, I love the fact that this is a brand new industry where there really are no traditional rules, if you will. I, again, a lot of things that apply to other industries don't necessarily apply to us because, you know, we, we don't have access to traditional financial services. You know, there, there's a lot of things where people say you should do this until and then when we explain to them the situation, they're like, oh, I get why you can't do it that way and you're doing it your way. Right. And, and really what I like about that is, you know, we're, we're a relatively young company um, and, you know, we have this opportunity to really build something that that we believe in, right? It, there's no one else out there saying this is the playbook, and you just have to follow it. I think um, Nick and I are both, you know, entre very entrepreneurial, 
And as a result, I mean, that, that's the greatest feeling where, where you don't have rules that you, you feel constrained by and, and you're really going to be, you know, allowed to run. And, and ultimately, we get to look back in a couple of years and say, yep, we did it right or nope, we did it wrong. Right. Uh, so it's exciting. I, I come to work every day, you know, excited to build the greatest you know, distribution platform servicing the cannabis industry. So that, that's really what I love. Uh, yeah, to add to that and to add another, uh, you know, piece of, of, from my heart, of what I love about the industry, you know, to Ben's point, you know, being able to to do it first, right, that gives us the opportunity to also be experts in an industry uh, where there are no, you know, 15-year, 20-year, 10-year guys. Uh, but, you know, we as a company being around since 2010 are those veterans and those experts. And so, that, that, so that's great to be, a, be able to be ahead of the industry at such a young age. You're a veteran at seven years old. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, what I really en enjoy about this industry is that, you know, we're not only uh, obviously building a business and an industry that's growing fast, but but we believe in the social aspects as well. So what, what uh, legalizing cannabis does um, for, you know, for businesses, certainly, but for consumers and for those who have been negatively affected uh, by the uh, draconian laws that have been in place. Um, ultimately, we know that cannabis is, is from a medicinal standpoint, 100 uh, percent know, viable and, and helpful for a lot of conditions and, and folks that are suffering. Uh, we know that from an adult use standpoint, um, marijuana or cannabis is, is certainly a lot less harmful, um, you know, virtually harmless uh, compared to uh, what else is available out there in terms of alcohol and tobacco? So yep. we believe in the social side as well, and I think that's another exciting thing about this. Uh, what we're able to do here in this industry. Do you, in, in terms of thing, you know, I don't know if I necessarily have anything I, I particularly hate or dislike about the industry, but you know, I, I, maybe as a word of caution, is one thing I do notice is I think a lot of people are looking to to jump into the cannabis industry thinking it's it's easy, mm -hmm. or there's other people mm -hmm. that say. You're in the cannabis industry. You you must be making a mint, right? Yeah, and yeah, and that is pretty far from the truth. Uh, you know, we, we we everything we make, we reinvest in the company, right? And I think every business that's stepping into it has to be prepared to do that. The guys who come in thinking, well, first year I'm gonna pull out ten million dollars, it's you know, good luck. That's not gonna happen, <laughs> yeah. right? No, I think that's a great point. I, I was making a comment to someone the other day that, you know, it seems like everybody in the cannabis industry has liquidity problems, right? They're all investing any dollars they have back into their growth. And so, right. uh, you know, people on the outside go, oh, yeah, you, you know, this is a cash cow. You know, you guys are printing money. Well, it's it's simply false. And then, you know, secondly, a lot of folks that want to come into this industry, um, you know, they're they're kind of muddying the waters in, in, in terms of, you know, bringing, you know, again, these mentalities that, you know, hey, we're from the outside. We want to. We want to just you know get rich quick. And ultimately, I don't think that resonates very well with the industry. And then it, it becomes sort of a crowded marketplace, and and ultimately uh, kind of messes up some of the dynamics. So I think you know a lot of the, we're very pure in this industry because it is. It came from grassroots, uh, and that's great. And so we just hope that, you know, even as it becomes more of a bigger business, uh, a lot of those aspects still remain intact. Um, and ultimately, we know that there's a lot of brand value built uh, by companies like us that have been around since the early stages. So, guys, we're we are at your hard stop. Um, and, and thank you so much for joining us today. This was a really interesting conversation. And, and we'd love to have you back Um in early 2018 to take a look at what's going on in California and as, as the other states come online, cause you're going to have, you have a really unique 
look into these markets. Um, so that's it for us today on The Green Rush. Um, I'm Lewis Goldberg, and Ann Donahoe is with me. Special thanks to our guests, Ben Wu and Nick Kovacevic from Kush Bottles. Check them out at kushbottles.com, and they trade on the OTC under the ticker, ticker symbol, if I can say it and not slur my speech like the president, KS. HB. Um, Ooh, burn. Yes, burn. Um, <laughs> and so, a uh, special thanks to Nick Opich and Brasco, the man who we refer to and you never hear from, for helping us produce this podcast. If you want to chat with us, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle at GreenRushComs, as well as at uh, www.kcsa cannabis.com, or you can drop us an email at GreenRush at kcsa.com and we would love recommendations from our listeners on who they'd like us to talk to questions that they want us to ask um and i know ann said it at the top of the show but please subscribe to us on itunes or stitcher or wherever you get your uh podcasts and post a review it really helps um and um that's it thank you very much thanks thank guys. you guys thanks keep it cushy keep it cushy well i like that <laughs> The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.